0: This is a presentation of the Pitch Podcast Network. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Streetwise Podcast. I am the host of the Streetwise Podcast, Barack Wilbur. I'm also the editor in chief over at The Pitch. How are things with you? Uh, this week I was informed that a, uh, a friend of one of our employees is a listener to the show uh, who uh, who has asked her, hey, is he okay? Um, I recognize that that is the energy I put out into the world and uh, that no one can fully answer that. Yes, I am pretty good most of the time, but also this show is a cry for help. Uh, <laughs> it can be both. It can be both, everybody. How are you guys doing? Um, I am having a pretty wacky weirdo time, uh, which I feel like is coming alongside Kansas City finally slipping into fall. Uh, we keep bouncing back and forth between the hundred degree days and days that it seems to be dark out all the time. Uh, so my my brain and brain chemistry are, are dealing with that as I'm sh- I'm sure some of you are as well doing in the uh, transition of seasonal us usness. Yeah, that's where we are. That's how things are going. Um, I would highly recommend that you sign up for the streetwise uh, weekly email newsletter that goes out on Saturday mornings. Uh, I, I I never really push it on the show here, but uh, this one, This one for this week, uh, we are finally just unpacking at length a song that is used in a TV ad for tourism for Wichita, uh, that has been a source of some contention, uh, and some, some love and, and a lot of, a lot of long, long conversations (laughs) over at the pitch in the last couple of months, um. This is one not to be missed. I know it sounds stupid because it is stupid, and you, you owe it to yourselves to listen to this and to read everything that we got there. Uh, I'm just going to point you that direction. We we spent the entire day yesterday on it, and um, yeah, maybe the best thing I've written in a while, uh, and that's just for you, people that listen to this and get to go read over there. Um, we, have a, we have a fun, wacky, wild episode today uh, on account of... Amigo the Devil, uh, a musician who we love uh, dropping out last second many times as the guest. Um, So we have two different reads from the magazine this week and a next music corner. So I'm just going to toss us directly into that uh, while also saying, I'm doing fine. You don't have to worry about me. Some of this is meant to be funny, and some of this just is funny by the nature of just how broken I am as a human being. Anyway, here we go. Uh, Hell to the Chief by Barb Shelley.
1: Here we go. Hell to the Chief. Our police chief is drinking from a poisoned well, but Rick Smith isn't going anywhere. By Barb Shelley. Kansas City's police department has had five chiefs over the past two decades, not counting interim appointees or the current occupant. If you average out their tenures, a good expectation for time of service is five and a half years. Current Chief Rick Smith will reach four years in August. It's hard to see how either he or the city can hold out another year and a half. The smoke and mirrors illusion of Kansas City having one of the nation's best police departments has been smashed into bits over the last year or so. The latest blow being a scorecard that ranks the department 495th of 500 nationwide. Police Scorecard doesn't pretend to be an academic study, and its creators acknowledge that their scoring is based on a set of common principles, such as not arresting people for low-level offenses, which lean toward a progressive mindset. But the scorecard used police departments' own data to make comparisons about funding, use of force, and unsolved crimes, and the information it contains is important. The scorecard found that Kansas City Police killed 32 civilians from 2013 to 2019, a rate of four fatalities per 10,000 arrests, which is higher than 98% of departments. Once police decide to make an arrest, they're more likely to use deadly force in Kansas City than almost any other city in America, the Scorecard's creator, Samuelson Youngway, said during an appearance on KCUR's up-to-date talk show. Those deaths and other brutal cop actions caught on video claw at Kansas City's black and brown residents, its young people, and older leaders in a way that I'm not sure the chief and his supporters understand. When you see news footage of teenagers being tear-gassed, as happened during last summer's protests on the plaza, or you see video of an officer thrusting his knee on the back of a very pregnant woman lying on the ground, those images stick. When police move into a neighborhood and shoot someone, people don't forget. And when the police chief is silent, or when he refuses to remove officers who have been accused or even charged with crimes while on the job, Whole segments of the community stay angry. I think things would be different if indeed he was willing to condemn the behavior of those who have been accused, says Damon Daniel, president of the Ad Hoc Group Against Crime. It's not that Smith doesn't care about Kansas City and public safety. I want Kansas City to get out of the top ten most violent cities, he tells me, referring to FBI uniform crime report rankings. I think that's a terrible stigma for Kansas City and our community. He ticks off some of the things the department is doing to win hearts and minds, like bringing back community relations officers, holding summer youth camps, and hiring social workers in police stations. So it's not just about enforcement, it's about those other avenues too, he says. But Smith tells me that, just before we talked, he sat in on a meeting with commanders to discuss shootings. We were talking about an incident where there was a retaliatory shooting on a house, and there were a hundred shell casings in the front yard, he says. A hundred. hundred. Does anyone grasp the amount of firearms and amount of shooting that takes, and the amount of time it takes to shoot a hundred rounds at someone? This is what his officers are up against, Smith says. He talks about this level of threat when I ask about the community anger over shootings and use of force incidents. I think we do everything we can to try and train, to not have to shoot somebody, Smith says. But the amount of times we encounter people armed with guns is way out of proportion to what it was when I first came on 35 years ago and we are going to be engaged with people who are violent at times, and they are violent towards us. Fair enough. Kansas City is awash in weapons, and the role of the police in confronting armed violent criminals cannot be understated. But some of the citizens that Kansas City police officers have been accused of treating brutally include a pregnant woman, a transgender woman, and a 15-year-old boy. An officer fatally shot a 47-year-old man who was trying to flee after being stopped for a minor traffic infraction. Another officer shot a man as he sat in a pickup truck in his own backyard. Smith says he's terminated police officers in the past. He doesn't want to give a number because, he says, that will give critics yet another reason to sling arrows at the department. I am trying not to fight people, he says. I understand. I'm the focus. But if you notice, I haven't publicly said a bad word against any of the people who have said things against me, and I don't plan on doing that. My plan is to run the organization and to give this organization and this city the best police department possible. That is my goal. Smith was sworn in as chief August 15, 2017, following the abrupt retirement of his predecessor, Darrell Forte. Although respected by many in the community as Kansas City's first black police chief, Forte, now the Jackson County Sheriff, reportedly had become increasingly withdrawn and mercurial within police headquarters. Morale was low, and the board of police commissioners wanted a change. The board narrowed its search to Smith and two candidates from out of town. One candidate withdrew from consideration at the last minute, leaving Smith and Keith Humphrey, the chief in Norman, Oklahoma, as the finalists. The police board chairman at the time, Leland Shuren, and then-Mayor Sly James, voted for Humphrey. The other three commissioners voted for Smith, including Nathan Garrett, who only a few weeks before had replaced Alvin Brooks on the board. Smith held the rank of major at the time. He had three decades of service in the department, When Smith came in, people were thrilled, says Betsy Solberg, who got to know Smith through her work as chair of the Kansas City Police Foundation and remains a supporter. They thought he was honest and trustworthy. He was, and I think still is, really popular with the officers. Not everyone was excited, though. Civil rights and social justice leaders worried about Smith's close relationship with the local chapter of the police union. Gene Peters Baker, the Jackson County Prosecutor, was dismayed about Smith's lukewarm support of the Kansas City No Violence Alliance, a violence reduction program that had shown initial success, though it later struggled. Smith questioned the program's usefulness as a major and dismantled it when he became chief. He says the department is working collaboratively with the prosecutor's office, federal law enforcement agencies, and community partners in something called the National Public Safety Partnership, although few people in the city know what that is. Neighborhood groups and others began complaining soon after Smith's appointment that he wasn't as visible as Forte, who had made a point to be president in crime-impacted neighborhoods. Concerns mounted in June 2018, after police officers fatally shot three people on the same day. Smith told reporters the officers did what they thought was necessary. I just wanted people in the city to know our officers are dedicated to go out here and protect the citizens of this city, he said. But where Smith sees officers protecting the people... Others see a chief defending the force at all costs. The gathering resentment bloomed into full outrage last year after cops used tear gas and rubber bullets on protesters after a police officer murdered George Floyd in Minneapolis. Calls for the chief's resignation have continued ever since. Smith says he has no plans to resign. My philosophy is I want to work and spend time running this organization, he says, and this is what I feel like I've been hired to do, to make sure this organization runs well. Maybe he'll stay. The man is stubborn, and he is for the moment protected by a group uniquely immune to community pressure, the state-appointed Board of Police Commissioners. But police chiefs tend to leave abruptly in Kansas City, and so it is worth thinking for a moment about a police department without Rick Smith. There is no quick fix. Kansas City's police department is governed by a board whose members, except for the mayor, are elected by the Missouri governor. And the current governor shows a stunning disregard for the city's priorities and problems. The department's administration and police board have spent years bathing in self-congratulation and seem bewildered by criticisms. Police officers have become accustomed to a chief's protection. The resistance to anyone who changes that pattern will be fierce. Gwen Grant, president of the Urban League of Greater Kansas City and one of Smith's fiercest critics, wants a chief to be replaced with someone from the outside. I think it will require a strong person with high-ranking law enforcement experience, she says a person who will subscribe to more progressive forms of policing. I don't think that person is here in Kansas City. Perhaps it's time, agrees Daniel, the ad hoc group against crime president. Perhaps it's time for a fresh set of eyes. But talk of Smith's successor is premature. He says he wants to work with the community. I think we all want the same things, he says. We all want to save Kansas City. The time for alliances has probably passed. He needs to be gone, Grant says. He doesn't have the kind of relationships where he can say, we as a police department hear you, and we need to make some changes. The well has been poisoned. The question now is how long Chief Smith and his bosses on the police board are willing to drink from it.
0: And that was Held to the Chief by Barb Shelley, read by Jason from Stolen Dress Entertainment. Uh, yeah, a lot to unpack there. Um Boy, would we sure like to see some change come to the KCPD, including, you know, uh, running our own police department, uh, a thing that Kansas City is almost alone on in the country is not having oversight of its own police department. And it is a constant head scratcher. Uh, We're not the biggest fan of that. Uh, Anyway, uh, ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Nick's Music Corner with Nick. (laughs)
2: Hello, I'm Nick Spasick, music editor for The Pitch, here with this week's local music recommendation. Kansas City Rock and Roller's The Rainmakers have been around for nearly 40 years now. Frontman Bob Walkenhorst is now old enough to have his daughter, Una Walkenhorst, go from playing duet shows with her father to being a musician of no small import in these parts herself. All that said, The Rainmakers' self-titled debut album for Polygram Records, released in 1986, is still an absolute banger. There's no trace of dust on a track like the minor charting Let My People Go Go. While the band was never as big nationally as they were here in Kansas City, their popularity overseas saw them playing regularly in Norway of all places, and they've maintained the same lineup for the last decade. While the aforementioned Let My People Go Go might be the biggest hit in the band's extensive discography, the second track on that self-titled debut and the second single release from it, Downstream, is even more of a rocker. If you have the time, check out the raucous video for the song shot live at the Uptown back in the mid-80s. It'll get you hyped for the Rainmaker's upcoming free show on the lawn of the Nurman Museum of Contemporary Art at Johnson County Community College on Friday, August 27th. However, when I went back to play downstream for this week's pick, it's worth noting that there's a term referring to native peoples about halfway through which isn't particularly sensitive and stands out pretty poorly. So, with that in mind, here's Let My People Go-Go.
3: now on me
0: And now, in place of the guests that did not show up today, it's time for a reading from the magazine. Uh, Jason is back up again here uh, doing, the, uh, doing a piece by Allison Harris uh, called In Media Res about Steve Kraske. Um, when we posted this one online, uh, Savannah, uh, who is new to our social media team, uh, used a quote from the story that uh, was... Uh, you know, a line that said that Steve has had a wonderful life and like his, uh, his legacy is still being written. Uh, and, uh, everyone online, including the people over at the radio station thought that this was an announcement that Steve was dead. Um, so Steve, we know you're not dead. Savannah apologizes for accidentally murdering you over social media. Um, I assure you that we were the ones that were murdered in the replies. Um, but here is the Wonderful tribute to, that we wrote to you, the, the man who is very much alive. Uh, here's in Media Res.
1: <laughs> in Media Res, keeping KC up to date, Steve Kraske's journalism legacy is still being written by Allison Harris. KCUR's Steve Kraske has helped to shape the very language of our local and national history, and his reporting has had a huge impact in the Kansas City area. Kraske, a student of a more traditional era of journalism, is now raising a young and hungry generation of journalists, always consciously considering the ways the industry is changing for better or worse. Since 2002, Kraske has been the host of KCUR's wildly popular Up to Date, a current events radio show where he features guests and tackles issues of all size and scale, from politics to entertainment to health to education. He's also a professor of journalism at the University of Missouri-Kansas City, a husband and a dad. Of course, he first gained notoriety in Kansas City for his political reporting and eventual editorial board position at the Kansas City Star, where he wrote for 27 years, before accepting a buyout in 2019. A look back through Kraske's bylines at the Star shows how tuned in he was, and continues to be, to both local and national politics. He urged readers to remember the name Quentin Lucas in 2015 as an up-and-coming local leader and issued an eerie warning from before the 2016 election that Donald Trump would stick around for a long time. As a member of the media, he can be heard as a caller in on C-SPAN segments throughout the decades, covering Kansas and Missouri Senate and gubernatorial races in depth and shaping the area's political narrative for a national audience. A career and a legacy like Kraskie's doesn't happen overnight, though. He had a drive to work hard and a personal passion for journalism's search for truth from an early age. Somewhere between fifth and eighth grade, he says, he knew exactly what he wanted to do. My father was a writer of children's books and an editor of Minnesota DNR's, Department of Natural Resources, Wildlife Magazine. My mom was very active in behind-the-scenes political stuff. I think I'm sort of that perfect combination of mom and dad. He explains of his attraction to both politics and journalism, it doesn't happen very often. So many of my students really struggle with where they want to wind up and what they are aiming for. I was just very lucky. I knew really quickly that I wanted to go into journalism. At first, Kraske wanted to cover sports, which he did throughout college, but by the end of his journey at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, he developed an interest in government reporting and politics, which is where he began his career post-graduation. I was in Freeport, Illinois to start off, which was not a town that I was dying to live in, and then my second stop was in Dubuque, Iowa, which was a beautiful town. I had some great friends there on the newspaper, and that was really fun, but I wanted to get something like the Kansas City Star, he says. I wanted to cover politics at that newspaper eventually, which I did. A pretty lucky break and a tip from a friend led to Kraski's initial placement into a position covering politics at the Star, he explains. My former colleague in Dubuque and friend, Mike Hendricks, called me one day and said, There's a job here covering police. You ought to take it. And I said, You know, Mike, I don't want to cover cops. He goes, Listen, it's a great beat in this town. There's a lot going on. Take that for a couple of years. You can work your way up into government stuff. And sure, shooting I was here for a couple of years, and then a position to cover the Missouri General Assembly opened up. It was at the Star that Kraske's reporting grew in scale and readership as he chased gubernatorial races, presidential races, and national presidential conventions. Kraske's legacy, both as a journalist and an educator, is one he is proud of, he tells me. He says, Being recognized in Kansas City Magazine a year or two ago for being one of the 50 most powerful people in the city was one of his proudest moments. That my journalism was having some level of influence, that was cool. But he didn't begin his career for accolades, he explains. One thing I'm really proud of is that I got through my newspaper career and into my radio career being an honest broker to the best extent that I could. I could look at myself in the mirror every day, thinking I tried my best to present the information as fairly as I could. The pursuit of the absolute and objective truth is something Kraske does not take lightly. As his career has evolved over the years through a decline in newspaper readership, an era of burgeoning distrust of the media goaded by an anti-news president, and then a rise in public radio listenership, objectivity has remained a pillar of his reporting. But journalism's ever-changing landscape makes it difficult to know what to expect for future generations. So many people look at the media these days as being jaded, and it's slanted, and it's this and it's that, and there may be some truth to that, he says. But in my experience, I was fortunate in working at The Star, where the emphasis was to be fair and to present balanced stories and to do your best to be honest. And I'm glad I had that opportunity, because anything else wouldn't have suited who I am. As local newspapers have lost readership and funding, journalism has become tougher to navigate emotionally. Combined with the general stress of covering the news, this leads to high rates of depression and anxiety among journalists. This emotional distress is something Kraski dealt with firsthand at the Star, although he was fortunate enough to keep his position. Working at the Kansas City Star for the last 15 years when there was round after round after round of layoffs was crushing. Seeing good friends and really talented colleagues heading out the door because the newspaper wasn't making as much money as it once had was depressing, Kraski says. You were constantly looking over your shoulder to see what was going on and keeping an eye on how the paper was holding up. No one enjoyed that. That wasn't fun for the editors. It wasn't fun for the reporters. However, Kraski is optimistic for a new generation. And with his leadership at UMKC's student paper, we also have reason to be. I personally benefited a great deal from Kraske's advice, editing, lists of the AP style mistakes not to make, and mentorships as I began my journalism career. I first met Kraske, my professor, during my sophomore year at the University of Missouri at Kansas City. After somewhat abruptly switching my major to communications, I felt anxious about taking an introduction to journalism class, afraid to admit I didn't know much of anything about journalism writing. Right away, I was calmed by Krasky's cool demeanor and fact-based approach to writing, which worked well for even the most nervous beginner. I also learned quickly what an impact Krasky has had on journalism at both the national and city level, as I became more involved with our school's journalism program and newspaper, UMKC's University News. Our paper's faculty advisor, career journalist Bill Bell, lauded Krasky's legendary status to the class or reminded us to always take advantage of what an incredible resource he is. He really inspires me, says Bell about Kraski. Nobody from his generation, for the most part, is still practicing journalism. They're all gone, but he's still there. I really admire him. Krasky helps students to navigate a sometimes daunting career field for seniors nearing graduation and trying to find their footing in the professional world. Krasky is someone who has really helped me become the person I am today in the journalism world, says Adita Chauransabh, U News's social media editor. Before taking journalism classes at UMKC, I wasn't sure if I was taking the right path or not, but during my time with Kraske and his classes, he taught me that there was a place for me in journalism and that there were a variety of ways that I could make a good influence on it. Steve Kraske is the nucleus of the College of Arts and Sciences and all things communications at UMKC, says student and U News reporter Lawrence Brooks IV. From the first day I entered into his Intro to Journalism course in the fall of 2020, I knew that my life as a journalist would be forever influenced by his tutelage and UMKC was the right place for me. He has challenged me in ways that I didn't believe was possible, and I will be forever grateful for the opportunity to have him as a professor and mentor. UMKC's communications program is incredibly lucky to have someone with an outlook like Kraski's as we all navigate uncertainty in the world of journalism. He seems to feel lucky to have us too, noting that his students are the proudest part of his legacy. The whole cadre of journalists coming out of UMKC who find their way in the business and get great positions and have important roles and are able to do good work, that's what I'm all about, Kraski says. It's a great way to end a career, working with so many talented folks. While the journalism industry is much different now than it was when Kraski began his reporting, his impact remains significant. He's known all over Kansas City and respected nationally for his reporting and editorial writing. At Up to Date and as a professor at UMKC, He's found a way to continue doing what he does best and shape the careers of young people as passionate as he is.
0: And ladies and gentlemen, that's been the Streetwise podcast from The Pitch here in Kansas City. Uh, We have a scavenger hunt coming up. We did one six months ago. It was a blast. Uh, You can find the information on our website. It is coming up in the middle of this month over my birthday weekend and over Stephanie's birthday weekend. Everyone at The Pitch is born in the middle of September huge virgo energy I, I you you could have guessed it from listening to the show anyway uh it, it it's very very cheap to do uh there's a lot of fun cool stuff happening here everyone that did it last time had a great time so check out our website for the pitch scavenger hunt it is quite literally everywhere i i don't think you can click on our main page anywhere and not uh, wind up buying a ticket so uh, we hope to see you with that. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening to this. Um, take care of each other. Be cool out there. Pitch in and we'll make it through. I've been Brockover. Bye 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 bye. This was a production of the Pitch Podcast Network.